Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Happy second year of the podcast, Grace O'Neill. I know. I can't believe it's been two years. We were looking back through um, old photos and pictures of ourselves to try and find cute, funny content for you guys to see behind the scenes. Um, And when we saw pictures of ourselves when we started the podcast, we just looked like two fresh-faced young cherubs. I feel like I've aged 15 years. I know. In that time. And it was also funny because I was looking at it and I was like, I don't ever remember starting this. Like, when, when we started this, we just didn't even think about it. I was like, oh, I went to Queenstown that weekend with my mum and just didn't even mm. realise that we had a podcast. But I think maybe that's the beauty of it. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Because I started a new job, I think, the same week or maybe or the week our second episode came out. And um, I just don't remember even linking those two things together. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> they didn't feel like two momentous life events. Yeah. But I think that's... When we launched the podcast, podcast felt very small mm-hmm. and it didn't feel like a big thing to, to be do. doing one because it was, it's, yeah, I don't know. RIP to our Chinatown studio. We were the most professional we've ever been was the first two episodes we ever did. Having like a studio and a producer. Yes. We had an actual producer who sat in the room with us. What was his name? I can't remember. John, he was maybe? so nice. I loved him. It wasn't John. Fuck. <laughs> it, was, it was our A-cast guy. It was... Oh, um, yeah. Anyway, so we had, like, a proper producer, and he... Did he edit our episodes? He edited our episodes, and we paid him money for it, and now we just do everything, and now we like, do everything ourselves. So ad hoc. But the first episode we ever released was, was us going to that Chinatown studio and checking it out and doing, like, a draft episode with him. So we... Didn't mm-hmm. ha- I don't think we would have had any notes or anything because we weren't actually going to release the episode. And no, then- we're going to give it a go and just see how it sounded. It's like quite, we cannot stress hard enough how like little timing and planning went into it in terms of like me and Izzy are very impulsive and reactive. So we <laughs> decided, and I think we were in that studio within seven days of us coming up with the concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and recorded the first episode and then instead of like waiting and listening to it and coming up with stuff we're like let's just let's just put it out <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then two years later here we are still friends just barely barely friends still so we celebrated on the weekend on sunday we both posted happy two-year anniversary to after work drinks but we were lying and it actually happened a week before that but we were in a in like the biggest fight of our friendship a huge fight so we couldn't <laughs> Which is so weird to say because we never, we never fight. No. I think it's only our second fight ever. Yeah. Um, and we're both like quite dramatic. <laughs> we're both both like, that's fucking it. I was like, I'm going to wipe, I'm going to wipe the, um, the archive because he's going to go and I'll be like, oh, 
What do you mean? Like wipe all the episodes and just, like oh take it down. You're like, oh my god, I know. And then we were fighting, we were feuding, we weren't talking. And um, Grace doesn't know how to use Photoshop or do like any of that stuff herself. And so I was like, well, I guess there's just no episode coming out this week. And then Grace and the in her the interview one because we'd already recorded it. Yeah, yeah, we'd already recorded with Liz Goldwyn when back in the good old days when we were friends and then by the time it was supposed to come out we like weren't talking we were in a sta- Mexican standoff about who would message who first and then I was like well I guess there's no fucking episode tonight then and I was like I guess that bitch is gonna think I can't do this on my own but I can <laughs> so I spent honestly years and years and years and years taking out the individual L-I-Z Goldman letters <laughs> and I recorded the intro myself Oh, I haven't even I haven't even listened to that. It's very yet. me, like it's like really long and like too. I wordy. forgot about the intro. Yeah, we've only done that once before, but that's when we weren't fighting. It was when um you went out on the piss in New Zealand, so we couldn't do it. Do you remember? And then you just had to do it yourself the next morning because I was asleep. Oh yeah, that was a mess. I yeah. went out and had this wild night in New Zealand when New Zealand came out of lockdown, and then um. We had an interview for like eight in the eight a.m. New Zealand time the next morning, mm-hmm. and I came in to the house and I was like, "Grace, Jesus fucking Christ, I'm like a mess. I haven't even showered, and I still had last night's makeup on, and it was with Kitty Cash." And then she came onto the Zoom call, and we were initially having the um the video off because she didn't want the video on, and then when she saw how disheveled and ugly I looked, she put her video on. <laughs> Grace was like, Izzy's just gotten home from a big night. And um, so Kitty Cash put her video on. Yeah, she was a legend. But anyway, so we resolved our fight like two adults. I feel like we've leveled up the friendship by having a very um, honest and open dialogue. People will be laughing because it was the biggest fight ever. But it was so seamless through the podcast episodes. We managed to perfectly time it so it didn't affect any episodes. I know. And... Yeah, that's the thing. Like you've always said, this is you want us to be at that point where we're like boyfriend and girl, girlfriend and girlfriend, where we where you fight with your partner and you just say stupid shit and you just know you're going to get over it really quickly. But it's it's funny in friendships how it just does feel different. Because because say if I was having if you were having a fight with Zach, I was like I don't have anyone to have a fight with. <laughs> I was like I wasn't you. Let's talk about you. <laughs> um, say you were having a fight with Zach and you can just be a horrible bitch and be like outrageous and annoying and slam doors and swear and then you just know within two hours you're going to be fine and watching netflix together that's why we posted that thing on after work drinks being like fuck you and i'll see you tomorrow I'll see you, yeah exactly but i think it's because you know in a relationship you know it's like how you can be like such a little brat when you're around your family yeah you just know on this very like deep level that you they're gonna love you anyway and they're gonna they're not gonna re- look like read the worst into what you're doing they'll take it with a grain of salt and i was mm. like it's funny I find it funny that we have all of these communication tools to work on friend, uh, to work on re- romantic relationships, and we don't transfer them into our friendships very often. Mm. Like you know, when you start dating someone, you like learn the rules of communication so that you like and you can, learn their love language learn, and what works yeah, for them, and you learn how to like mitigate uh, conflict. And like so many friendships, I don't know if it's the same for men. I assume it is, but like, so many friendships don't have that skill. Yeah, and but even with me and you, it's funny because then we sat down the next day and I was like, this is what I'm like. I know the shitty parts of my personality. I know that when I... <laughs> slamming your wine glass on the table as per. Um, Got a little rubber coaster <laughs> cushion the blow. I had to tell her off after the Raven episode because I had to mute you every two seconds because you're slamming your wine glass everywhere. Banging it around, yeah. Um, but yeah, I said to you that I know the bad parts of my per. I know that mm-hmm. I'm like... Um, quite emotional and reactive and I need a couple of days if I'm like grumpy mm. otherwise I'll just say shit I don't mean and I and I know that I'm immature in that way but it's like so funny navigating it in a friendship but I know that's what I was trying to do as well because I was like I just know if we we're very mature like we were, I was like if we see each other today we're both so emotional and highly strung that it'll just end up being stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, whereas if we just have a weekend to just cool off, then we'll just talk and be like, this was silly. Yeah. Silly billies. Silly billies. So then we went out on Friday and had our one week late celebratory dinner where we just went on this cute little date night. And, and we went to this really nice restaurant that was run by a Kiwi and an Australian. Mm-hmm. So it was very on brand. It was cute. And then we... We're going to go out, but we went back to my house in classic fashion and got like three bottles of wine and danced to ABBA. 
Yes. And then Grace was throwing up. Yeah, I know. I'm such a light. I was, I was thinking about why I'm such a lightweight now. I always have been a bit of a lightweight, mm. but <laughs> I'm doing the Michael Papa. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think we've had like a very different two months, uh, three months. Like you've had a fun two months and I had a sober depressed two to three months. Yes. So my tolerance has just gone out the window, which links to the Raven Smith episode, which we hope everyone has listened to. Cause I think it's one of our favorite ones ever. He was just a delight. We always say that, but he was so funny. Just I hilarious. never ever, as everyone who listens to the podcast knows, I can never ever listen to our episodes once they go out. Cause I, can't hear myself um but with raven i just put up with listening to myself because i was i just love listening to him and i was listening to it yesterday smiling yeah as i was walking very uh joyful episode um but again i was drinking i think literally like two to three glasses of wine i think i had like one or two in the interview because we actually do drink when we record the podcast and um and then I was just smashed and Zach got home. It was 6.30 and I was like, hey, let's get Nando's. Like a fucking beast out of hell. And then I fell asleep on the couch at 7.30 and woke up and there was just like half a dead chicken next to my no, head with good. hot sauce. Yeah. And Zach came home and was like, why are you so lit? And you were like, let me live. I was like, leave me alone. It's like literally a Monday at 7.30. Yeah. Well, now it's a Monday. It's 3.20 and we're going to be lit in about an hour. Yeah, exactly. As these things go. It was a good conversation because Raven highlighted a very huge philosophical question, which we hadn't thought about before, which is like, is Brad Pitt not actually that hot? We've just been conditioned to think he's hot. And I'm still spiraling. <laughs> I, know, I still don't know. Because when Raven was talking, he was like, Brad Pitt is doing the bare minimum. And we all are just cheering and thinking. And I get it because it's like, you know, he was the, he's just this 50 year old white man who's always been conventionally hot, but I don't know if I agree with Raven cause he's so hot. He is exceptional. Yeah. Out of that group of people. He's definitely like the thing Leonardo DiCaprio is not hot. No. <laughs> Us every <laughs> single week. <laughs> how, do we, how do we bag on Leo? <laughs> Also, we were listening to this <laughs> out of nowhere podcast the other day, and they were talking about how, um, what were they saying? Like Leonardo DiCaprio isn't um, like a pedo for going out with these young girls, but he's just a fucking loser. Yeah, it was so funny. They just said he's not. They're like, there's not. It's not. It's a, okay. It is a bit creepy, but they're like, it's more just evidence that he's incapable of holding down a functioning <laughs> adult relationship, which is just sad more than it and is concerning. So, yeah. Yeah. Like we should just be. I don't know. We should just think he sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we do. Yeah. Um, okay. I would love to talk about Dumoy some more, which is our favorite Instagram account. I got a bunch of DMs from people being like, thank you so much for introducing me to this Instagram account. It is amazing. And I think now we're going to have a permanent segment where we just pick out our favorites of the week. Yes. <laughs> An unofficial permanent segment. Yeah. Um, just a reminder that it's an Instagram account where people send in anonymous instagram dms about like ridiculous hilarious encounters they've had with celebrities and they just publish them all (laughs) yeah so they're unverified and anything that we say isn't based in fact it's based in dms and some are obviously fake like i was telling you there was one about jared leto that read like fan fiction and i thought this definitely didn't happen i don't know because i've heard some weird shit about jared leto this girl said i was with my dad at starbucks oh, and jared leto came over i and thought just... you were talking about a sex dungeon i was like i think that's a <laughs> fake <laughs> did you not see those no. ones yeah um that's a fact that's a fact <laughs> gonna get us sued um yeah, a girl said, I was a teenager and Jared Leto, I was at the mall with my dad at Starbucks and Jared Leto came over and asked me if I could go shopping with him, if he would go, if he could come shopping with me. And then we just went to Hot Topic and blah, blah, blah and tried on clothes and he just left. And the person said, why did he want to go shopping with you? And she was like, I don't know. He just did. And I was like, that just seems like it didn't happen. Yeah. One that I found mildly disturbing this week was Katie Holmes. So Katie Holmes and this um, guy that she's been dating, this restaurateur, Emilio, who um, his parents or his dad started this really flash, um, fancy, celebrity-filled Italian restaurant in New York. And Katie Holmes keeps going there while Emilio, I don't know why he works there as a waiter, but he does. He owns it and he 
waits there and she keeps going there for dinner when he's working which would be so annoying because you're literally busy at work and then your partner's showing up and being like hello all the time (laughs) and then she they were sitting there together on his lunch break and these girls sent in to do more that um, during the lunch break, Katie Holmes said, I love you to him three times. Okay, no, no, no. There's more to that story. They were passing in front of Paps. Yeah. There was Paps photographing them. So they were sitting in view of the Paps on purpose kissing. Yeah, but I don't know what... To, so the photos would... Like, they're obviously... It's like Banana. Ben and... Ben oh, Affleck and yeah. Anna de Armas, where they're, they're, they're courting the media attention for God really? knows what reason. Really? I, don't, I yeah. don't know why they would want to do that. Why else you pass in front of the restaurant, in front of... When paparazzi shoot you, they're, like, here. They're not hidden, like, mm. in front of your face. So all the paparazzi were there, and then these girls walked past or were close as they were kissing for the paparazzi. And she said, I love you three times while that was happening. The girls were sitting at the table next door to them. They yeah. Were sitting there yeah. eating. Yeah, and heard Katie Holmes say, I love you three times, which is trash. But while you're kissing for the paparazzi, it's just so, so um, weird. So strange. There was a lot, a lot of Chris Noth content yeah. this week, and I enjoyed it all. What was the one? Um, yeah, one of them he called someone's mum because she said her mum loves him, which was really cute. But one of them was, what was the one where he was mean? Oh, I don't want to talk about that. There were also two really great sex stories on there this week, and we won't say the names just because, um, I don't know, that could be illegal, but, um, <laughs> just in case. Josh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All we're giving you is Josh. <laughs> um, was on Raya, the celebrity dating app thing and he she this girl went back to his house in a ball gown because he was supposed to go to a red carpet event but he didn't go and then he gave her his track pants to wear then they ended up having sex on the stairs of his house which is very intense and he'd just broken up with an a-list actor actress Mm -hmm. and all her stuff was still in the wardrobe so the girl was like petrified that the a-list actress was going to come back but then she didn't and then she said that she still has the track pants to this day Great story. And then the other one was that another famous A-list actor, apparently um, this girl's friend was having sex with him and he cried after they had sex every single time they had sex, which is sad. I know. I wonder Jare. why. So jarre. I wanted to ask you because there was so many – a huge part of this account is – and a part of the perv factor is people sharing stories of celebrities, men and women, being horrible – when they met them in person. Mm. Um, and it was about, I almost feel like even in the last week of being on that account, any A-lister you can think of who's really famous, I feel like I've seen a negative story about a fan interaction with them. And it just made me wonder, like, do celebrities need to be nice? Is it important that celebrities are nice to their fans? And is it unfair to brandish like Tatara celebrities' reputation based on shitty experiences that fans have had with them. I think it depends because it's that thing where obviously you're never going to be nice every single day, and if you're judged by your worst day, but because that's the thing is what happens is someone will send in a negative celebrity story, and then someone else will send in a positive celebrity story mm-hmm. saying, "I I saw this, and I need to say when I met them, they were the nicest people ever," and. It would be really hard to leave your house every single day and have people running up to you screaming, getting in your face. I find it the, what we expect from celebrities in terms of um, how much we want from them. For people who, they don't have any idea who we are. They don't know us at all. And we mm-hmm. think we know them because we see them on screen. I think that's a bit intense. So I can get why you would get over it. But then I also think that there is an element of if you didn't have these fans then you wouldn't be rich and famous so i think you need to be i think you need to be polite in the way that you do things but you don't have i don't think you should have to pose for photos i don't think you should have to sign autographs i don't think you should have to give anyone any of your time other than just being polite like the the stories where they were being really mean to kids is quite horrible yeah and there was like quite a few a-listers on there that have mean to kids stories Mm. um I feel like we can say... I would be mean to kids. 
But I can I can sympathize. Yeah. Because I can imagine, like, someone said a story about J Law, like J Law being at a um, event for American Hustle, and they were doing like a premiere or something, and someone, some producer, just let their kids backstage, and they like ran up and were screaming because she was from Hunger Games and were demanding like photos with her and to talk to her and stuff, and that she was very impatient and was just like, dude, it's unprofessional to bring your kids in here, and that was phrases this really negative story about her and i'm not saying she couldn't like be a dick i just think that that's to me is kind of fair enough but then on the other side i'm like she was probably paid 50 million dollars to be in the hunger Games series is it that hard to just as a payoff get photos with kids when you see them i don't know i I empathize with both sides it seems like there's more vitriol in the ones written in about women I think it seems like the men are a lot more patient and a lot nicer. Yeah, there's a few a stories about celebrity couples where the woman is horrifically dismissive and the man's, like, really lovely. Yeah, and they're both um, this, as famous as each other. And they're both as famous as each other. Um, I don't know. It makes me think of Ellen. We actually talked about Ellen, um, but we were quite drunk, so I think we cut that seg- section. Mm. And we talked about her. Oh, yeah, just, I thing. think I cut the whole thing. So it was like midnight when I was editing it. I was yeah. like, I can't be fucked editing this bit. And so I just deleted it. I literally didn't even listen to it. Yeah, right. So so Ellen um, was obviously, she wasn't cancelled. She just got like a lot of criticism online for being I can't quite... believe her show is just back on now. I know. I didn't think that that but was going to no happen. But there's no repercussions for these things usually. Yeah. Um, but El- so Ellen was outed as quote unquote being one of the meanest people in Hollywood and BuzzFeed did a bunch of reports on what started as her being not particularly nice to staff, but kind of snowballed into like a very fucked up workplace culture at the Ellen show, which included like rampant sexual harassment and they did an internal investigation and a bunch of people were fired. Um, but when she came back on to address it, um, in her first new episode of the Ellen show, um, she kind of just framed it as, Sometimes I have a bad day. Sometimes I'm impatient. Sometimes I'm anxious. And the big mistake I made was framing myself as the be kind lady because you can't be the be kind lady every time. And I was kind of conflicted on it because I was like, I don't think anyone expects her to be really nice 24-7. And I think what she was being accused of was like more than being impatient or a bit anxious or sad. Mm. But I do think that like it must be hard if you build a reputation as this funny, affable person that everyone's seeing in their living room and feels like they have an intimate relationship with, and then you just don't want to be like that all the time. Yeah, it's because you're putting on a um, persona and then everyone thinks that that's your, the real you. It would suck. It's, But also, I think the way she addressed it was so off, how she was making jokes in her opening monologue when there's literally been allegations of sexual harassment and assault and she'd fired three of her producers and then she was making jokes being like, how was your summer? Mine? Not so good. And I'm just bored of that thing. Like, Louis C.K. made the same joke when he came back. It's like, how was your year? Better than mine. And it's just, you don't want to be in that company, Ellen. Yeah, and all of the staff who had to deal with years and years of torture. Because people, staff members were likening it to kind of the Devil Wears Prada where you just try really, really hard to last a year. She put up a tweet in, like, 2012 or something saying, made a staff member cry today. And was laughing about it mm. once again. Dakota Johnson, Queen of the Universe. For- and that anniversary, Evan Ross Katz, who's one of our favorite people on Instagram, he's hilarious. Put up a um, <laughs> thing because Dakota Johnson's birthday is October fourth, which is now a year now, and that was the clip in the Ellen interview. She was like, "When was your birthday?" She was like, "October 4th. and that's oh how the whole God. thing started. <laughs> so good. Um. But yeah, I think it's, I think niceness is such an interesting thing because I don't, I don't think we should expect people to be nice. And sometimes I'm very suspicious of celebrities with a reputation for being nice because some of the stories in the Du Mois inbox about celebrities being nice, I'm quite cynical, but they felt very performative. Like someone would go around and like pay for everyone's parking permits if they were shooting in a neighborhood or um would make a point of going around and meeting everyone on the block i just think that's not nice. an area they were in i, I just it has to be performative though 
I don't think it has to be performative. I just, I just find it like celebrities. I think I find it hard to separate. I think whatever you do as a celebrity is going to be interpreted as like an intentional action that brands you in one way or the other, because they are their own brand. They're like, they're, like, they're their own walking, talking brand. So you have to be super, super conscious about every single thing that you do. Cause every single thing that you do is being interpreted and like linked to your brand in one way or the other. But, so then, no. but then it's funny how if they have to be like that, then how you could basically tell a bunch of kids to fuck off when you're in a, their favorite movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then people will just start to dislike you. The mm-hmm. J-Lo thing is funny because I remember seeing, I remember seeing an inter- that thing she did at the Golden Globes where she yelled at that like Mexican reporter. That's right. Thing. And I was like, oh, like when she did it, I was like, oh, you're just like a little bratty 21 year old. Mm. Um. And I think it's funny that she's obviously had this like hyper curated public image that she's like funny and down to earth and relatable. But at the end of the day, these people are either multi, multi millionaires or billionaires. Our culture has this like insane fetishization of celebrity culture to the point where it's disgusting. So if you're on the receiving end of that as a 20 year old, I just don't think you could be normal and down to earth. So it's like expecting that is silly. Yeah, it would also be very hard to stay down to earth if you live in a mansion with people waiting on you hand and foot. You have your assistant, your manager, every single person. So there was another story in there of Chris, one of the Chris's, and this girl was at a restaurant and she said that there was this bunch of guys all in suits and ties and they looked really on edge and they looked super like nervous. And so she was watching to see who they were meeting and they said that one of the chris's slaunted in in these disgusting track pants with like food stains on his top really unprofessional really late and um sat down at the table and all of them were just falling all over him and all he was doing was talking about how hungover he was and how big his night was the night before and they were all laughing super loudly like imagine just everyone looking at you like you're the funniest person in the room you're the most interesting person in the room you're the most attractive person in the room no matter what you did and then not getting a big hit about it that's what i always think with like justin bieber how everyone has a go at him for being a bit weird when he was like smuggling that monkey through customs and stuff like i I always get monkeys i know but how could you be 15 years old and have every single person on the planet know who you are have a bazillion people who want to have sex with you have all of these people that surround you until you're a genius and give you multi 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 million dollar deals like how are you supposed to do all of that and then be quote unquote normal Mm. and then also you would have no idea we were talking about this the other day with celebrity couples so demi lovato and her fiance of like three months max someone he um they're not naming him for moral reasons (laughs) we don't want you to know who he is we don't know his last name um he they broke up after three months together and the story like what people are saying in the press is that he was using her for fame and to leverage his own career and all of the stories that were coming out about them in the press he was leaking to the press and she found that out and broke up with him and it would be so hard to be that famous and then just have no idea of what people's intentions for you are so a you're being like treated like royalty and like people kissing the ground that you walk on and then b anyone else who kind of acts normal around you or treats you normally or who wants to be your friend and who you're getting along with you don't even know if you can trust them yeah it's like that miley cyrus thing on joe rogan she just says when you're as famous as she is you kind of can't have you can't meet new people. Mm. You can't make friends because yeah. you're either making friends with super, 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 super famous people, which obviously becomes a bit of a weird, gross echo chamber. But that's but that's because they get it because they um, they can relate to at least something that's going on in your life, or you hang out with normal people. But normal people can't even be normal around celebrities. Like they can to a certain extent, but it's there's always going to be a lie at the root of your friendship if you're constantly pretending like you're just indifferent to the fact that they're like a megastar mm. you know unless you met before they got famous yeah you know? yeah yeah and it must be the same with couples i feel like you would be able to but it would require a certain type of person a certain type of people because obviously celebrities meet their normal partners heaps when and yeah and i feel like if you've been in the game for that long and you know how fans act and I don't know I feel like you would you there you'd definitely be able to meet normal people who wouldn't be funny about the fame but it would be very hard be hard to find yeah them. like where do you find them yeah 
Bumble BFF. <laughs> Not rare. Not rare. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It feels so crazy that it is... New York Fashion Week and Milan Fashion Week and Paris Fashion It's like the whole Fashion Week circuit, but we just are so removed from it right now that I don't even really know that it's happening, mm. despite us being there six months ago Yeah, in Paris and Milan. It feels so weird. But um, the biggest highlight so far, of course, comes from Rihanna with her Savage Fenty Volume 2 show. It's actually the third show, but they're calling it Volume 2 because this is the second time they've done it on Amazon and done that whole um choreographed dance routine thing um and she had lizzo as part of it normani as part of it shay coulee and jada essence hall from drag race i was very excited to see yeah india moore from pose my fave and demi moore randomly yeah love demi um (laughs) and it was choreographed by paris goble who is this Really cool New Zealand dancer from Auckland, New Zealand. Best known for directing my favourite music video of all time, which is Sorry by Justin Bieber. Yes. I don't even think that's what she's best known for. That's what she's best known for with you. That's what, yeah. But she <laughs> also literally choreographed J-Lo's Super Bowl routine. Okay. She's worked with Rihanna a bunch um, at like the 2016 MTV Music Video Awards for the Grammy Awards, all three of the Savage Fenty shows. Um, she's worked with Janet Jackson, Ariana Grande, Sierra, Nicki Minaj, Sam Smith, everybody. She's, did she do? She did the amazing Rihanna one where they did Wild Thoughts, right? Yeah, yeah. That she's was amazing. Great. I remember back when I lived in Auckland, and Paris used to live in Auckland as well, and she's friends with a bunch of my friends, and they were always this really cool dance group that used to come around to this house that I used to always be at for parties and everyone was like oh she's so cool she's doing all this amazing stuff and then just suddenly it was like Justin Bieber sorry and it was all this crazy stuff and she just blew up internationally but it feels so I actually saw her at um the Tommy Hilfiger show in London was she earlier walking? this year yeah yes yeah, so. yeah and I was talking to her backstage there but then it's funny with this huge show that's the biggest most incredible talking point of New York Fashion Week and Paris having she had nine dancers of Maori and Polynesian descent in her show. And over the weekend it was everywhere on Instagram. Bella Hadid posting about her, Rihanna posting about her, Lizzo posting about her, everyone in the world. And then Paris put up this thing on her Instagram stories being like, Yo, New Zealand media, where is the coverage? And I'm obviously not in New Zealand, so I hadn't even noticed that at all, because we're looking at her on British Vogue, mm-hmm. we're looking at her on WWD, we're looking at all of the international coverage of her, but at home where she is literally on a global stage representing New Zealand with nine young dancers from New Zealand and basically no one covered it. I looked at it today and a couple of outlets have covered it now. Sheepishly. The, yeah, sheepishly <laughs> and not even referencing the fact that she called them out. Just trying to be like, oh, this happened. I um, do wonder if this is one of the bad like side effects of all of these crazy media closures. I guess it is, obviously. But I wonder if part of it is now that the number of outlets where that kind of work can be published has been like so reduced not to excuse it i'm just saying it's like i feel like it should have been on the cover of the paper yeah right 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 is what she's saying yeah and basically paris was saying that anytime something i don't know bad or anything comes out about her in the media she has them on the phone trying to get quotes and for this nothing like Mm. crickets which is super interesting and she was just saying we work so hard to break the cycle you don't want to celebrate our wins which is like 
reinforcing the stereotypes that have contributed to the country's problem with racism forever. Mm-hmm. And and it goes back to that point where we were talking about with Brandon K. Goodman and on our, I'm not sure if it was on our racism episode or if it was on another one, but we were talking about how it's so important to educate yourself on these books about the struggles of indigenous people and colonization and all of that. But then it is also so important to celebrate indigenous and black and BIPOC lives for the good parts, like for Pose, for Insecure, and all these amazing, incredible things that are happening. And with with this, it's literally this beautiful, basically art exhibition that this New Zealand girl has created for one of the biggest pop stars in the entire world. Like, if that's not worth celebrating, I just don't know what is. It's like that um, bleeding on the page concept where people tend to be drawn to, like, black or non-white narratives only when they're engaged in, like, trauma or struggle or talking about how racism has affected them and when the whole purpose of their art is literally just like joy or celebration or something that's got nothing to do with that aspect of their lives Mm. people don't engage in the same way which is like quite a gross we actually had a writer write about that for our website as part of our mentorship program her name's Sakina and she wrote an amazing piece on our website about it but yeah it's very interesting and I hope that that's a wake-up call because Paris Goebel is one of the most famous talented Kiwis on earth and if Rihanna has enough time to call her on a video call and say there's no one else I would rather have do this than you then surely the New Zealand media can give it a bit of space in the fucking paper it's just crazy Mm, it's so crazy it's just so true like there's it's funny with New Zealand and people thinking that it's this beautiful little quiet, clean country at the end of the world where we've got this progressive prime minister and everything's happy and daisies, but it's not. And even like that leads into another thing, which is that voting is now open for the New Zealand election. And as part of that, there is a box that you can tick yes or no for the cannabis referendum. And we talked to Chloe Swarbrick about this on the podcast a few weeks ago, so you can go back to that because she's the Green Party drug reform spokesperson and she speaks really eloquently and beautifully about why it's so important to vote yes for this bill because basically I think the thing people need to get their heads around is if you want to smoke weed in New Zealand you would smoke weed in New Zealand already. New Zealand is the eighth highest weed usage in the world despite cannabis being legal in 17 other countries in some or all parts and it's not legal there apart from um to use medically. Around 80% of young people in New Zealand try cannabis before they're 21. Jacinda Ardern even said that she's tried cannabis before, so the literal prime minister. But at the moment, cannabis being illegal means that people, police and other people can unfairly target indigenous people. So at the moment, Māori are three times more likely to be arrested and convicted of a weed-related crime than any other New Zealander. Mm. Despite, like, after accounting for differences in use, three times more likely to be prosecuted and convicted despite 80% of the country having smoked weed before. So it's like, if you want to get weed in New Zealand, you can get it already. But at the moment, the money is going to drug dealers. It's not, it's not regulated and Maori and indigenous New Zealanders are being unfairly targeted. So why wouldn't you vote yes? So that the money would go to the economy. It would be more regulated. So the drugs would be safer and it would stop. It would like put a stop to this, this particular part of racism in the country. And it's also, like, um, it's, like, when you're pro-choice. Like, being pro-choice doesn't even necessarily mean that you would do it yourself. It's just giving people the option. If you're voting to legalize cannabis, it doesn't suddenly... You don't need to be a weed smoker to vote to legalize cannabis. You don't need to want to smoke it yourself or even be stoked that people are smoking it to promote legalizing it. It's just about, like, dismantling a structure that disproportionately affects the wrong people minority groups yeah yeah there's that quote that's been going around saying think of the most vulnerable person you know and vote in their best interest Mm. this is the easiest way to help indigenous people in new zealand for something that like doesn't even affect you at all because if anyone wants like literally if you want to smoke weed you can get it in a second i feel like new zealand has such an amazing history being like the first people to like do things like I think yeah, they did with, the women's vote first yeah. in the world and gay marriage. I just feel like it would be a very nice precedent if they 
Yeah. Dude, and it's not even now. bloody first. Like so many countries already have it legal. So it's just. I know. The USA w- is ahead of you. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It feels weird. And I guess the core of it is recognizing that cannabis, like any substance, alcohol, tobacco, whatever, can cause harm, especially if used to excess and used whilst young. But right now, our approach to prohibition is causing disproportionate harm. It's not decreasing it. It's like increasing it. So we need a different approach. And that approach needs to be built on public health. So there was a really sad like Instagram and Twitter post that went around this week, which was uh, Chrissy Teigen posting that her and John Legend had lost their son, Jack, um, that Chrissy had had health problems at the hospital that she couldn't they couldn't get under control and that their son had died. I think they were calling it a miscarriage. I don't know if it's miscarriage or stillbirth, but mm. whichever one. Um, and it opened up like a massive conversation, I think, about a topic that most people don't discuss, which is like miscarriage and all sort of like natal conditions that people don't tend to talk about. What did you think about it? I think as well, it was quite in- quite an intense day online because Chrissy Teigen posting that would have been really um, triggering for so, so, so many women. But then at the same time, it's bringing a conversation to the forefront that women are so often told they need to stay quiet about. Like I've always found it quite funny how when women are pregnant, when women get pregnant, they're encouraged to not tell anyone till 12 weeks because they could have a miscarriage. And sure, if you don't want to, you don't want to go around telling people that you don't want to tell people that you're pregnant and then you miscarry sure, then you're going to have to have a difficult conversation with them. But encouraging women to stay silent, even to their close friends and close family and people who would support them through a really horrible event like that kind of seems strange. Like I remember when my friend told me she was pregnant at eight or seven weeks and I was really shocked that she was telling me because I thought she would wait till 12 weeks, but she was like, well, if I had a miscarriage, then I would want your support and I would want you to know that I'm going through it. Why would I want to hide that from people and not have anyone know about this trauma that I'm dealing with? Mm. Um, But then Chrissy and John were getting slammed or Chrissy was getting slammed on the internet on horrible Twitter because people were saying that she should be keeping this life event to herself and having a go at her for posting about it when it's like people can grieve however they want to grieve and she's such a public person and she posts everything online and that probably makes her feel really connected and she probably wanted to I don't know she wanted to share her grief yeah it was I think it was I think the the timeliness of her posting it was what raised eyebrows with people like I honestly think if she'd have waited like two weeks and posted something and said like two weeks ago this happened that the public which is not to justify the public reaction I just think that's what the public reaction hinged on mm. was people kind of saying like um have this private moment with your family why are you sharing it with the world which is just like not really anyone's business i think just quickly on a side note i find it really unusual that people people just on the internet and it's like an old-fashioned conversation but people <laughs> on the internet just like feel the need to like share whichever little fucking thought comes into their brain like you could i could sit with you like when we saw her posting it i said to you I was like, God, I hope that I hope that she doesn't feel pressure to post this because her life looks so wonderful on Instagram that she feels the pressure to immediately show when something bad happens. Like I just I like that was my reaction. And like I would never share that on Twitter, especially not to Chrissy Teigen, because it's not really any of my fucking business. And it's not especially not something that she would need to hear like my thoughts on. And my thoughts on that are probably completely wrong. It's like literally nothing to do with me. But I just find it so strange that someone could look at that and have a judgy thought where they're like, oh, what is she posting? Like, even thinking that makes you a bit of an asshole. But then thinking that, like, it's good to respond to the person who posted its tweet, I just don't understand. Mm. It just, I just think it's insane. Um, but, yeah, I, yeah, that's the biggest thing. I just think if you, if you – people need to get out of their head this idea that if they think something, they therefore – it's a fact. Need, oh yeah, need they to, need yeah. they feel need to go and share it. Like it's completely fine to like tell your boyfriend or your friend or text it to your mum. You don't have to share it in an open space on the internet. People should feel a bit more like what's the word? Have a bit more trepidation about what they want to post online. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I also think that I think that she obviously was is 
in the massive throes of grief. So she's just doing whatever feels natural to her, which is sharing. But then also she, there's a whole nother side to it where like, imagine if the press got hold of it first, imagine if people like, Mm. imagine if she didn't post anything and everyone knew she'd been in hospital, um, people would start making up their own stories. There'd be this whole new narrative that she didn't control, um, which sucks is the shitty part about being a celebrity and being a public figure. But it's really, really, really sad. Like, that photo fucking broke me. It's really incredible that she was willing to share something like that raw and that emotional with a public who are so engaged with her and who so many of her followers would have Mm. gone through similar experiences. So I think it's incredible that she did it. It's just just this, this, this funny intimacy of, like, living on the internet now. Yeah. You know? how intimate you are with like people you've never met is really fascinating yeah we posted a um tweet on on our instagram saying women are trained not to talk about living in a female reproductive body we're taught not to talk about periods and cramps and sex and miscarriages and birth control and abortion and all of the feelings that go with it god bless chrissy Teigen for not hiding her pain and demanding we all talk about it which is so true i didn't you know when she puts Mm. it in that one sentence and it's like we're talking not to talk about periods, cramps, sex, miscarriage, birth control, abortion, anything. Yeah. And I think it's like this cult of motherhood that we still have that like sanctifies talking about motherhood in a certain way and then completely turns this particular part of motherhood into a taboo topic when it's it's so, 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 so common. Mm. Um, so common every woman knows has a close friend who's had a miscarriage and I think that we need to really remove the stigma around it because it would be so fucking traumatic let alone having to go through it pretending nothing's happening like so many women still have to go to work the next day Mm. after having a miscarriage yeah and it's actually true now we're talking about it that like the expectation the, the fact that what happened with Chrissy Teigen was such a huge talking point I think it's evidence of the expectation that women should just like retreat inwards and grieve silently and not let anyone mm. in on the pain. Mm. And the thing that freaked people out and made people respond so viscerally was like, oh no, we're not supposed to see this. <laughs> yeah. Which is the whole problem in itself, I guess. Yeah. It's a very, very, very sad news. And um, anyone who's an arsehole to her on Twitter can get fucked. On to Twitter is just someone a, else. Twitter is just a cesspit, which is like a good segue as well. Yeah. Twitter's awful. I'm so happy I've never been like an active person on Twitter because it's just horrible. It makes Instagram look like Mecca. I know. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> uh, so since we last spoke on this podcast, there was the first presidential debate, which was an absolute train wreck. And then, like, the next day, essentially, Trump is diagnosed with coronavirus. Which, at first, I didn't believe... I was was unsure whether to believe it was true or not, because it kind of seemed like very suspicious timing that his debate was horrific. (laughs) Which came the day after his tax return came out, which came the day before a leaked tape of Melania bragging about not really giving a shit about the kids at the border yeah (laughs) was leaked yeah and so people still don't believe that he actually has coronavirus because what they think is that he will say oh i've got covid and then go to hospital for two days and then come out and be stronger than ever and better than ever but i now think that he definitely does have it because they were Mm. trying to hide that he had it for days and then it got leaked to the press that this woman who he's with all the time had it so then, yeah, yeah. The best. I saw um oh, who was it? This like really f- um amazing stylist commented on something. Was like Hope Hicks is a fucking patriot for this because <laughs> she <laughs> she gave it to him. Yeah, and then and then Trump was hospitalized, and they're do- doing this press conference, and this guy was saying that he's like completely fine and blah blah blah, and he'll be all good, and then um. Another guy who works really closely with him asked to not go on the record. He was like, oh, just say that it's a source close to Trump um, and said how he's really doing and said that it's worse than, like, they all think. And then um, he didn't realize that there was a um, camera filming the whole thing. So Trump found out immediately that he'd said all of this. Oh, God. I remember, so we um, were out on Saturday night and Zach was, like, feverishly updating his Twitter because stuff was coming through literally on a, like, minute by minute 
basis because Trump, basically Trump got diagnosed with coronavirus um, and so did Melania. And then it came out that like based on the timeline, he knew he had it and attended a massive Republican event with no mask, <laughs> which is just so insane. And then people started dropping like flies. So at, it was at the Amy Coney Barrett, who's his new Supreme Court nominee at an event for her and all these people at that event, it was a super spreader event and all of these crazy, like important Republican people had it. Um, and then a rumor came through that it was like Boris Johnson where they tried to cover how serious his was until it got leaked. He was in the ICU and was fighting for his life. And then there were rumors that Trump was that bad. And then I was like kind of hopeful, which I wanted to talk to you about. Cause I'm like, it's obviously quite immoral to hope that someone dies. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And I don't think like I don't I don't know how I feel. I don't really hope that anyone dies. I don't hope that Donald Trump dies. But I feel like there was like a jubilation on left wing Instagram and Twitter that he'd got coronavirus. And then I thought, really, when you think about it, that's quite wrong. It's quite wrong. But also, this is someone who's caused the who by their fucking incompetence has basically caused the death of like 200,000 Americans. This is someone who's separating children from their parents at the border, who's doing forced sterilization at the border, has done horrific, horrific, horrific things, Mm -hmm. has no kind of moral compass. Yeah. Moral (laughs) compass or like doesn't seem to give a shit about other people's lives. Mm -hmm. And it's just like the reason coronavirus has spread so aggressively in America is because he ignored science and now it's his ignoring science that has caused him to get coronavirus. So it's just like... It's pretty funny. And he was calling it the Chinese virus. And now apparently um, in China, they're calling it the White House virus, (laughs) which is just the best level of pity. Yeah. It has... Everything has just got so petty now, though, where I just think that... Two white old men yelling at each other in a room and then one of them going, would you shut up, man? And calling the other one a clown. And then, like, Trump... Trump... It was just a mess. And then now he's got coronavirus and God knows what's going to happen with this election. But... I know. I just... I feel... I feel very suspicious of Trump because he's, like, such a master at dominating the news cycle. And it seems like there has intentionally been all of these things that have come out that have suppressed what otherwise would have been the biggest news story on him for two weeks. I just don't know what to believe. You know what I mean? Where the tax returns would have, like, dominated the news story for 10 days. I know, but I feel like everyone's seen that. So it's, like... It's, like, the tax returns. He, um... The majority of Americans thought he did really badly in that horrific debate. <laughs> then he gets coronavirus, which is a disease that he hasn't been wearing a mask for and has been downplaying this whole time. Like, all of these are very, very bad things. Plus, it just came out that he's broke. I just had I had um, just, like, a moment of silent respect for all the political journalists at the moment who must have just not slept for days. Yeah. Who are all constantly in the newsroom, constantly tweeting. Even Michael Barbaro pulling together the oh, Daily. I he know. must just be exhausted. Special and I like, episode. So I, I bet they start doing ones and then something like this happens. They just have to can them. They're probably, mm. like, 80% through them. They just have to, like, create a whole other one from scratch. It must just be horrible being a political journalist at the moment. Um November could not come quick enough. I know. It was quite funny hearing Melania complain about having to do the Christmas decorations at the White House. She was like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, so this was on... um, She was speaking on a plane to her former... What is it? Like, assistant or something. Assistant or something. Um, And she has leaked the tape of Melania just being like, I don't want to put the White House Christmas decorations up. I don't give a fuck. That part Maybe of the interview was like, yeah, that part of the interview is quite iconic. And I wish that was the whole thing because yeah, um, that'd be really funny. And, but, but then she started talking about when she wore that stupid jacket to visit the kids at the border. But what she did say was, I mean, she sounds like a fucking kook. She was, she was talking about how the liberal media hates her and all this stuff, um, which I guess is true, but she was like trying to say it was a left wing conspiracy. Um, and then what else did she say? Oh, then she was basically like, what do people want me to do? Like, I can't change laws. I'm just married to Donald. And I was like, that's kind of fair enough. Like, she doesn't have legal um, no, power. I listen to a thing she had to say ever. It's so iconic that she never, ever, ever holds his hand and always whacks him away and always death stares him. I'm like, I want to know what this contract <laughs> entails. Same. I really do. And someone... I wonder how much money she would get if he gets another presidency and she has to be first lady for another four years. I wonder if she can leave him. Like, I want to know what the prenup says. 
It's also so funny that he has that boy that he never ever acknowledges, Baron. And do you know that Baron is like freakishly tall for his age? Have you seen this? It's so there's a story on it. He's twelve and he's like six foot two. It's like That's I mean so he won't fucked. be twelve anymore because it's twenty twenty. But wait, yeah, the first thing when you type in Baron Trump is Baron Trump height. Okay, how tall is Baron Trump? <laughs> how tall is Baron Trump? He keeps changing. Refinery twenty nine. <laughs> the most useless piece of information. Okay, so according to Refinery29, he is now 14 and 6 foot 3. That's fucked That's up. That's crazy. But when he, he was taller than them both when he was 12. Why is he so tall? I don't know. It's <laughs> so random. <laughs> uh, I just want to take this quick moment to say what I've wanted to say in the podcast for ages, which is that I trolled Ivanka Trump on Instagram and she deleted my comment, which is like... So gonna go in my eulogy when I die. Yes. She put up a picture with some Goya tinned black beans because the um, CEO of Goya said he was a Trump supporter. That's so scat. And I just wrote on it, you are literally so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> and she deleted it, which is hilarious. <laughs> because there was so many worse and comments. And you, you got heaps of likes. I was getting heaps of like I was getting lots of momentum and I was like, oh, this is going so well. And then um, <laughs> she deleted it. I cannot stand like I just cannot stand her i cannot stand her i can't stand any of his horrible children but like her especially the fact where she's just like pivoted to being this right wing like hag <laughs> <laughs> i know after so long being like i'm at the met gala i'm a democrat like, i don't even know um all that much about like to be honest i didn't even really care that much about american politics until like i would always stay on top of it but now with this whole kerfuffle with trump and that's what I mean. The I feel apprentice like people have said says I care yeah. so much. I know. But I don't know anything about her or his family. I just know that like, he has that random son called Baron and then I know that she's <laughs> annoying. She's just annoying because she used to be. Like, she follows, like, Alexa Chung and, like, Tavi and, like... Um, oh, and what was it? She was trying, a jewellery designer or a clothes designer. Yeah, clothes designer. She was very, like, New York elite Met Gala left wing. She used to host Democrat fundraisers and stuff with her husband she's like carly Kloss's sister-in-law she's very that and then her dad came into power and she just did the biggest 180 of all time and is now posting like horrible pro-trump shit because she just knows the like left-wing new york elite will never accept her again um and when the news came out that trump's trump was literally taking like newborn babies out of mother's hands at the border she like posted a photo of her hugging her two-year-old son and was right. like hug your baby's tight tonight or something like, she's just foul she's foul um but i hate all his kids equally don jr is like becoming this huge quasi-trump figure that everyone's obsessed with and they think he's going to be president down I don't the line know who that is is that his son he's had a glow up i have to say <laughs> <laughs> is this his son it's one of his sons it's so yeah. fucking weird that donald trump can have that much or apparently he has no money but i'm like what is with yeah the the tan i loved on the daily they were like um it's it's bad for trump because he has covid and he's also like he was like the president is um classified as obese (laughs) yeah i hate that i know obese and his tan is so bad and his hair is so bad He's like all the things that he says Americans shouldn't be. That's what's wrong with him. I saw a tweet the other day that was trying to say that like um, Joe Biden's wife, Jill, who's just like a very sensible doctor, um, was a queer icon, like more of a queer icon than Melania. And someone was just like fake news. And I was like, it's true. Like Melania just is a gay icon. I know. Yeah, she is. Like there's no way around it. Some the people who become gay icons um, are so that you just can't pick it but then it just happens and they often are like very morally compromised like it's often like madonna who does not have a reputation for being particularly nice and caring um but yeah you just are or you're not and melania definitely is do you remember she wore a sixty-eight thousand dollar dolce gabbana coat to the um united nations yeah okay we are gonna go now But please rate, review, and subscribe, and we will see you again on Saturday with an After Work Drinks With episode that Grace is very excited about. Particularly excited about. If that gives you any hints, which it should. It's not um, Ivanka. (laughs) Ivanka, imagine.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.